Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we ask whether there should have been more African players nominated for the 2021 Ballon d'Or, with Riyad Mahrez and Mohamed Salah, the only Africans nominated, and Edouard Mendy left out. Also, we look ahead to the finals of the inaugural edition of the CAF Women's Champions League, which is just two weeks away. When we create the Champions League, it was not just a question from us, but it was a push from all African women's clubs and all African women's stakeholders. It's been a long time coming. That's coming shortly and plenty too on the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League as Patson Daka became the first Zambian to score in the Premier League and Salah shines again. Well, lots and lots happening in African football right now. The FIFA World Cup qualifiers conclude next week, and Mozambique became the third team to fire their coach during the qualifiers.、Uh, the Mambas fired their Portuguese coach Horatio Goncalves six months into a two-year deal.、Uh, Mozambique had back-to-back defeats by Cameroon. They're now out of contention. And、the second legs of the CAF Champions League playoff round are on this weekend. The winners qualify for the group stage. Wydad Casablanca of Morocco host Ghana's Hearts of Oak, and Hearts of Oak won the first leg 1-0, so that one is finely balanced. Al Hilal of Sudan are hosting Rivers United of Nigeria. First leg ended 1-1. Cr Bouzedad of Algeria taking on Asek Mimosas, and Asek were 3-1 winners at home in the first leg.、Uh, Simba of Tanzania looking in a good position. They're at home to Juanang Galaxy of Botswana, having won the first leg 2-0 away. And Zanaco of Zambia at home to Sudan's Al Mareek, who took the first leg 3-0. And qualifying for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations got underway this week. 44 teams taking part in two rounds of qualifiers. That's a record entry, and there'll be 11 teams joining the hosts Morocco in the finals next year. Well, the standout tie in the first round is Nigeria against Ghana. Nigeria, the record nine-time champions, they beat Ghana 2-0 in the first leg. Uchenna Kanu getting both goals. In other results, South Africa won seven nil away to Mozambique. Tunisia won six two away to Egypt. Egypt did qualify for the last edition, while Tunisia have never made it before. Kenya beat South Sudan eight nil. Ivory Coast nine nil away to Niger, and Algeria beat Sudan by an amazing fourteen goals to nil. So some one-sided ties, while the giants Nigeria and Ghana were drawn together in the first round, and the second leg games are on next week. And also in the women's game, the finals of the inaugural edition of the CAF Women's Champions League are just two weeks away now, with Egypt hosting and with eight teams taking part. Now, Meskerem Tades Goshime is the senior manager of CAF Women's Football Development, and she's looking forward to the Champions League finals. And says that she feels that this and the expanded 12 teams Africa Women's Cup of Nations will help to grow the women's game. When we create the Champions League, it was not just a question from us, but it was a push from all African women's clubs and all African women's stakeholders. It's been a long time coming. Um, yes, the engagement is bigger because we have seen a lot of development in the past 
10, uh, 20 years of women's football. This is 70 plus percent of CAF member association having a championship. And even the 32 teams, um, they were licensed using the first club licensing criteria. This Champions League have produced a second movement, which is, which is club licensing regulation for women's football, the first of its kind for CAF. Um, so the 32 clubs, they are licensing. We, we could have even have more clubs. So it's really overwhelming. And it shows that women's football is on the rise. Uh, and uh, member associations are investing in their own league. Moving forward, what we want to see for the Champions League is a strong Champions League. Uh, strong Champions League in a sense that leagues of our member association have strong leagues. That's what we want to see. Coming up with the Champions League, we also have the national team competition, uh, the CAF uh, national team competition. We also have the biggest um, engagement, 44 teams engaging in the AFCON qualifiers. It's a, it's first time. Moving forward, we really want to see a strong Champions League, sponsored Champions League that can attract a lot of investors for future. Plus to that, we really want to showcase African talent. We have a, a raw talent. And we want to see African team, African club who won the Champions League winning the, Af- the, women, uh, the FIFA Women's Club Champions League, which is coming up. So that's Meskarem Tades Goshime. She's the senior manager of CAF Women's Football Development, speaking to the CAF podcast. So record numbers in the Africa Women's Cup of Nation qualifiers, the Women's Champions League finals just around the corner. And to Ida, she also gave credit to CAF's club licensing program, which says that clubs should have a women's team. Right, Steve. Well, it's definitely laudable. I mean, we will wait to see whether it will actually be implemented come the time. But, you know, that, of course, being the rule by CAF, that the only way that male teams will be allowed to participate in the CAF Champions League, at least from the 2022-23 season onwards, is if they'll have a women's team. And Look, honestly, at this rate, I think that this might be the only way to actually get some of these, you know, big time teams to start taking women's football seriously. I mean, of course, there are those who have expressed this skepticism, Steve. I mean, same way many expressed doubt with the start of the CAF Women's Champions League, for example. But look, we're now just a couple of weeks away. It will be a reality in Africa. So hoping for the best on this one as well. But back to that much-anticipated tie between uh, Nigeria and Ghana. Well, both teams came in off the back of disappointing performances at the Aisha Buhari Invitational not too long ago. So it was crucial to make a positive mark. And this time round, you know, Nigeria did have the likes of Asisato Shoala. So they were definitely boosted. It is unfortunate, Steve, that these two powerhouses are pretty much, you know, facing off so early in the preliminaries. You know, prior to this, the Black Queens of Ghana have missed the Auckland only once. You know, that was back in 2012, while multiple champions Nigeria haven't missed an addition since the start. But the reverse fixture is coming up. And, uh, of course, with the Auckland, it's not just about the title. You know, the top four teams will automatically qualify for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. There will be playoffs as well. And, you know, at the inaugural Women's Champions League edition. And at this point, Steve, I can confidently say that women's football in Africa is in a much better place now 
than it was, you know, say a year ago. Yes, exciting times for women's football in Africa. Thanks, Ida. Stay with us. And next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport to the 2021 Ballon d'Or. Earlier this month, the nominees were announced. This is a prestigious award for the best player in 2021, and the 30 players shortlisted include only two Africans. That's Riyad Mahrez of Algeria and Manchester City, and Mohamed Salah of Egypt and Liverpool. Now, Chelsea's Antonio Rudiger asked on social media why Edouard Mendy was not nominated after the Senegal goalkeeper shone again as Chelsea beat Brentford last weekend. And legendary coach Claude Loir spoke to the Kasafa podcast about this. Loir is from France. He won the 1998 Africa Cup of Nations with Cameroon. Also coached Senegal, Ghana, DR Congo, Congo Brazzaville, and most recently Togo. And Loir believes that African players deserve more recognition. The average level of African football is improving every year. Now, we, we, what we need for African football. And maybe we won't, we won't have for the Ballon d'Or only two players of Africa. When you see, for example, that's a shame that uh, uh, Mendy, the keeper of Chelsea, is not in the 30 best players of the world. It seems unbelievable. Two seasons ago, as the three best uh, top scorers of the Premier League were from Africa: so Salah, Mane, and Aubameyang. And how, how you cannot recognize the level of African football? Sure, there is a big problem. It's uh, the result in the World Cup, and we need to 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 climb and to go through this uh, this uh, quarter final for once, and one day to arrive semi final and final. It will happen, but uh, the the level of uh, the football in Africa is still growing every year, every year, every year. Well, that's Claude Lewis speaking to the Kasafa podcast. Uh, well, Ida, two Africans on the 30-man shortlist for the 2021 Ballon d'Or.、Uh, are Loire and others right to feel that African players are being overlooked? Maybe,、uh, or is this just a reflection of where African football is right now? Hmm. The never-ending debate, Steve. You know, it's almost guaranteed that as soon as the Ballon d'Or nominations are announced, then the outrage is sparked pretty much across the continent. I mean, remember 2020? You know, when they said that they wouldn't be doing the individual awards due to COVID, but instead would announce the best squad of all time. You know, a dream team, if you will. And remember that no African made it. Steve, I mean Africa, the second largest, second most populated continent in the world. You know, the home of Ware, the home of Etor, Drogba, and the likes, had failed to produce even one to make the FIFA all-time list, and reactions were fast and furious, including, you know, arguably Africa's greatest of all time, Samuel Etor. But my point is, it's a year later, and clearly nothing has changed. Well, let's look at the latest situation. The Mendy one is just as interesting as it is sad because, personal opinions aside, Steve, this is a professional oversight. I mean, the first African goalkeeper to win the UEFA Champions League, a huge part of Chelsea's bounce back last season under Tuchel. I mean, Chelsea conceded the least number of goals, Steve, in the league in the period since Tuchel's takeover after Lampard. And look, I know that doesn't single-handed. You know, fall on any one person per se. It is a combined effort, if you will, from the defenders 
to the goalkeeper. But come on, I mean, shouldn't a clean sheet for a goalkeeper be rated equally at least to a goal for a striker, you know? And I know that goalkeepers are chronically underrated, Steve, but still, come on. And uh, on top of Rudiger, well, Mendy's national teammates, uh, Sadio Mane and Kolidu Kulibali, also came to his defense, you know, despite Mendy himself actually taking it with such grace, you know. Well, looking at the past, I mean, uh, Drogba finished fourth back in 2007, Salah top six twice now, Maris seventh in 2016, of course, with that Leicester surprise. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, a tour, a tour, a tour. I mean, nominated 10 times, top five in 2009. I mean, will we get to see another podium finish by an African soon? I just don't know, Steve. But look, how about this? How about Africans start creating their own structures, you know, and stop waiting on validation from the West? I mean, it might be too idealistic, perhaps. Who knows? But all in all, moments like these really make me realize how important George Ware's win was for the continent one, for the culture, and just how good he had to have been to make it totally undeniable and undisputed. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ida. Certainly some strong opinions on this one. Asking for your thoughts on social media this week. Should there have been more African players on the Ballon d'Or shortlist? So the 30 players shortlisted for the 2021 Ballon d'Or have only two Africans, Riyad Mahrez and Mohamed Salah. Edward Mendy not nominated, although the Chelsea goalkeeper certainly is in fantastic form right now. Uh, So should there have been more African players nominated for the award for the best player in 2021? Or is this just a reflection of where African football is right now? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Should there have been more African players on the Ballon d'Or shortlist, or is this just a reflection of where the African game is right now? Always great to hear from you. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stewart on the English Premier League as Patson Dacker becomes the first player to score in the Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. To social media now, and last week we asked, uh, was the Real Madrid keeper Thibaut Courtois correct to say that there are too many games these days? Uh, Courtois spoke out boldly after Belgium were beaten by Italy in the UEFA Nations League, saying that there are too many games these days and that they don't care about the players, they just care about their pockets. Uh, Courtois accusing UEFA and FIFA of prioritising money over player welfare. So we asked, do you agree, or should players not complain when they're paid so much? Uh, This coming as FIFA is considering holding the World Cup every two years. Well, the vast majority of listeners agreed with Courtois on this one, although Ando Emma in Ghana says, I think he's given too many excuses. 
And Moses in the Gambia says, I totally disagree with him. Football is the game we want to see all day and all night, and they're getting paid, aren't they? They won't play or kick the ball for free, says Moses. Also in the Gambia, Mbele says uh, too many games will be too much for footballers. And David B. Jerbe says, yeah, he's right. The game schedule is just so bulky these days, says David. Keba Jalong Sane says, I agree with Thibaut Courtois. Uh, yes, there are too many games in the various leagues. It can make some players not to perform well for their country. So I think FIFA should give more time for the players to rest before their international duties. Uh, thanks for that one, Keba. And we heard from Mande Wab Francis from Uganda. He's an active player. He sent us this voice note from a player's point of view. Uh, for my case, I do agree with the, the keeper because players are the source, are the source where people and other companies get money. So in a football world, players are the cons, are considered as the king because in everything they are entitled and these other things follows. Koto was somehow right. Players, they are machines, they are using energy and the body sometimes gets tired. Well, thanks there to Mande Wab Francis in Uganda. We heard too from Balong Baji in the Gambia saying, I second Thibaut Courtois' thoughts by saying that FIFA prioritise money over players' welfare and there are too many games. It also could possibly see players prematurely ending their career, says Balong. And Musa K. Turai says, yes, he's right, because these players have less breaks to rest. And Modo Drame says, yes, I agree with Thibaut Courtois. There are too many games on the calendar, and I'm surprised to hear that FIFA still want a World Cup every two years. That is total madness, says Modu. And uh, finally on this one, Brian Uko Senior in Kenya uh, says, this is a proposal by Arsene Wenger, not a FIFA consideration. Uh, well, not quite correct there because the process, yes, has been led by Arsene Wenger as FIFA's chief of global football development, but it's been pitched by the FIFA president Gianni Infantino. And this story does keep on developing uh, day by day on whether there will be a World Cup every two years. It was reported this week that some European countries threatened to leave FIFA if the plans go ahead for a World Cup every two years. Uh, UEFA is strongly against. On the other hand, it looks still that uh, CAF is in favour of the World Cup every two years, but it's looking increasingly likely now that uh, FIFA might end up backing down on this one. Well, thanks so much to everybody who got in touch. Uh, always wonderful to hear from you. A reminder of our question this week. Should there have been more African players on the Ballon d'Or shortlist with only Riyad Mahrez and Mohamed Salah among the 30 players who were nominated? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us at WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And by the way, if you click on our WhatsApp profile, you can access our programs there as well. Right, and I'm joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And uh, so much to talk about in the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. Uh, Zambia's Patson Daka, five goals in two games for Leicester. Manchester United, a fantastic comeback win over Atalanta, easing the pressure maybe on manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And who else to head in the winner in the 3-2 victory over Atalanta, Stuart? It had to be Ronaldo, didn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. What a fantastic game. Uh, you couldn't have written the script better. You know, Manchester United go 2-0 down at home, increasing the pressure on Ollie, and then coming back to win with a real vintage gung-ho attacking United performance, winning 3-2 with goals from Rashford, Harry Maguire, and as you say, inevitably, Ronaldo getting on the back of a, a cross. You know, they conceded two bad goals, but came back magnificently. And one of the things about talking about pressure on Solskjaer is, of course, that he is a Manchester United legend as a player, scoring the winning goal in the Champions League in 99. And the fans are on his side. I mean, they're frustrated by some of the performances, but there's a lot of goodwill towards him. I mean, let's go back to last Saturday. Uh, United lost away to Leicester City. In one sense, there's no shame in losing to Leicester since they're an excellent team. It was the manner of the defeat. United took the lead and then conceded three goals in the last 13 minutes to lose 4-2. And ironically, David De Gea was arguably the best player. But it seems that Manchester United's attacking players, of, of whom there are many, do not naturally track back or defend, leaving United exposed when the forwards lose the ball. And I think they've got an unbalanced squad. Remember the end of last season, we talked about the Ivorian teenager, Amadiallo, signed for $50 million. And Solskjaer persuaded Edison Cavani to stay and brought back Jesse Lingard from West Ham. But then they signed Jadon Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo. And of course, Rashford's now back from injury. And there's also Anthony Martial. So... They can't all play, and poor old Diallo uh, has had no playing time at all this season. You know, that's seven top strikers, but in midfield and defence, they look weak. And I think Paul Pogba remains a problem. A world-class player, but he looks a bit lazy, he jogs around, doesn't really work for the team, and then produces the sublime pass. And what on earth do we make of Donny van der Beek, the Dutch player signed for 50 million just over a year ago and he's been on the pitch for five minutes in the league this season and Steve I have an odd fact for you Leicester City Manchester United was a three o'clock Saturday kickoff and the last time Manchester United had a three o'clock Saturday kickoff was January 2018 uh, yeah, three o'clock uh, was the uh, traditional time for football matches when uh, Stuart and I were growing up. Um, so what about Pats and Dakar then, uh, Stuart? The Zambian taking a while to get his uh, first goal for Leicester City, but now five in two games. Uh, yes, I mean, he scored the fourth goal against Manchester United and was the first Zambian ever to score a goal in the Premier League. Uh, and by the way, Steve, I know you'd want to know this. Zambia are now the 27th African country to have a Premier League goal scorer. And, and that wasn't enough. When Leicester City beat Moscow Spartak 4-3 in Moscow after being 2-0 down, Dhaka scored all four goals. You know, you say it took him a while to score, but of course he hasn't had much game time in the league. It'll be interesting to see if they can possibly leave him out after scoring all those goals. Yeah, so exciting this uh, for Zambians to have Pats and Dakar scoring in the English Premier League. So congratulations to uh, all of our listeners in Zambia or uh, from Zambia. Uh, so Manchester United, Liverpool, the big game this weekend. And uh, Liverpool and Egypt's Mohamed Salah, his incredible form continues. Uh, great goals in the Premier League and the Champions League. And now the equal highest scoring African player ever in the Premier League, Stuart. 
Well, yes, of course, there were two milestones, um, with Sergio Mane getting his 100th Premier League goal, uh, 79 for Liverpool, 21 for Southampton, 100 goals in 237 league games. And uh, he is the third African to do that after Didier Drogba, 104 for Chelsea in 254 games, and Salah, 104 goals, 102 for Liverpool and two for Chelsea. And he achieved that in 166 games, much quicker than the other two. Mane got his 100th goal in Liverpool's 5-0 win over Watford, uh, which leaves them uh, a point behind Chelsea. And Salah, remember last week we were talking about an amazing goal against Manchester City. Well, he scored an even more amazing uh, goal against Watford. You know, the ball somehow just seems to be tied to his foot. And uh, his ability to change direction, it, it, it's just phenomenal. Jurgen Klopp, in fact, commented that he believes that Salah is now the best player in the world. And he certainly has a strong claim. Interestingly, I heard Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City ask that question, and he went for Robert Lewandowski, the Bayern Polish striker, who scored 41 league goals last season and has got nine league goals already this season, 18 in total this season, and we're only in October. But going back to Salah, there's so much to admire beyond the basic technique. He seems to have vision, speed, intelligence, work rate, strength of mind and body, if he's not the best in the world at the moment, I'm really not sure who is. Just continuing to look at the top of the, the table, Chelsea top with a win 1-0 at Brentford. But to be fair, Chelsea's win was daylight robbery, as Brentford hit the post twice, had a shot cleared of the line, not to mention a string of saves by Mendy. But Chelsea won 1-0 against their neighbours in what was the first league meeting between Brentford and Chelsea for 74 years. Manchester City are third, followed by Brighton, Tottenham, Manchester United and West Ham. Now, West Ham beat Everton 1-0 away, and they look to me a very well-balanced side, well-coached by David Moyes, who certainly enjoyed going back to Everton, where he was manager for 12 seasons and winning. And Steve, you know, hindsight's a wonderful gift, but Manchester United appointed David Moyes to succeed Alex Ferguson, but fired him in less than a season. And then there was Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, and now Oli. I can't help wondering what might have happened had Moyes been given more time at Manchester United. Yeah, he's not that bad uh, after all, is he? And uh, still with manager Stuart, uh, took a few days longer than maybe we thought, but uh, Newcastle manager Steve Bruce was uh, inevitably fired uh, with the club having their new owners there. And, um, well, he had just uh, reached a 1,000 games as a manager. Yes, um, he is in fact the 41st manager to be in charge of a 1,000 games in English league football. Top of the list is Dario Grady with 1,600, mainly Crew Alexandra. And of current managers, Neil Warnock, who is 72 and currently manager of Middlesbrough, has done just under 1,600. Alec Ferguson did 1,500 for Manchester United, and others in the 1,000 club include Harry Redknapp, Arsene Wenger, Sam Allardyce and Bobby Robson. But it is ironic, as you say, that we're reporting this amazing statistic days after Steve Bruce was fired by Newcastle, albeit with a reported $10 million payoff. And I mentioned Arsene Wenger. When he reached uh, a, a thousand games, it was Arsenal away to Chelsea and they lost 6-0. 
So it's not always a great celebration. But who's going to replace Steve Bruce is an interesting question. Uh, the BBC website lists 10 people, but the favourite so far seems to be Paulo Fonseca, who is Portuguese, though born in Mozambique. He's 48, and his last managerial uh, job was Roma for two seasons before being succeeded by Jose Mourinho. Now, just going back a moment to longevity of managers, um, when Liverpool played Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, Diego Simone, manager of Atletico Madrid for just under 10 years, is the longest-serving manager of a top European club. Top European club defined as anyone who's been in the last 16 in the Champions League in the last four years. And second on the list, interestingly, is Klopp, just over six years. And only Gasparini of Atlanta and Pep Guardiola have been at their clubs for more than five years. Isn't that not quite remarkable, Steve? And finally, in the ten years that Simone was manager of Atletico, Real Madrid have had seven coaches and Chelsea nine. Yeah, many coaches not lasting long these days. Thanks a lot, Stuart. So for Chelsea, they're playing at home to Norwich on Saturday. And the big game, that's on Sunday. Manchester United against Liverpool. Uh, that should be an exciting one. And the second legs of the Africa Women's Cup of Nations, of first-round qualifiers, uh, they take place early next week. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.